Good morning. Today's um, scripture reading is from Mark, first chapter, verses 14 through 15. And in the Pew Bible, it's on page 812, if you want to follow along. And I'm thankful that I have just two verses today. (laughs) And no big names. (laughs) After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Thank you, Marilyn. Took you longer to get up and down than it did to read. (laughs) As it would any one of us. (laughs) I'm sorry, that that was a bad joke. Please forgive me. I just got, well, let's pray once again. (laughs) Lord, help us to understand now what the words that Mark wrote uh, mean about uh, our lives today. Uh, Help us to understand and live by the words of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder, what would happen if if Jesus came to our church this morning in disguise? And if he came and sat in on the Sunday school classes, and then came up and sat in the back row and saw our worship and heard the word preached, maybe just on an average Sunday, not necessarily today, As he observed all that and listened, I wonder what he would think. In particular, would he say, oh, this is a church that preaches the message that I preached. This is a church that is about the the things that I'm about. Or would he find something different? Um, Mark 1.15 gives us a summary of Jesus' message and teaching. So we're going through the Gospel of Mark We're lingering on these two verses here because they are the gospel in a nutshell. And they are a summary of all that Jesus did and taught. And so we need to make make sure we really understand these two verses. Um, It says, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. So would Jesus say, yes, this church is preaching that gospel? Or are we preaching a different message? And I I raise that because there are many many other gospels out there that people believe or churches preach or the culture adopts. For example... For example, here's, here's one version of the gospel. You are going to hell, but if you say the sinner's prayer, you'll go to heaven. Right? It's kind of the fire insurance gospel. Is that what Jesus preached? Here's another one. It says, if you follow God's rules, um, God will love you and get you in, and you'll get into heaven. Well, that's not the gospel. That's moralism. That's legalism. That's not good news. Or here's another one. 
Jesus came to show us what love really looks like. Let us, therefore, follow in his footsteps by loving our neighbors, by serving the poor, and by loving God. Is that the gospel? That's what some churches preach, but that's, that's not news, that's advice. That's saying, here's what you should do to be better, and that is not the good news. One more, and I, I find this uh, more in the culture than in the church, but here, here, here it is. God wants you to be happy and healthy and fulfilled. And you, we know that none of us is perfect. We do things that get in the way of our happiness, but God is a forgiving God, and he will always forgive you. That's not what Jesus preached, <laughs> right? So, so what gospel are we preaching as a church, are we living by as a church, and does it conform to the actual gospel that Jesus preached? So two parts to the sermon. First, what is the good news? What is the gospel? What did Jesus mean by saying, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the gospel? And second, are we a church that actually lives by that? So what is the gospel? Um, just as a review, the word gospel means an announcement about something that has happened that brings good, that brings joy, glad tidings. And it, that word in Greek was used in the ancient world and it was reserved for sort of big historic events that changed the world, like, like the gospel of a new Caesar coming to power or the gospel that... Uh, that an uh, enemy army has been defeated and therefore we can continue to live in peace. But Mark uses this word to talk about the Christ event, what happened when Jesus came and lived and taught and died and rose again. That is the true gospel, the good news that we need to hear and that will change the world. But Jesus himself also preached the gospel. Isn't that interesting? The gospel is about him, and he also was able to preach the gospel. And that's what we find here in one, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. So let's look very closely, phrase by phrase, at especially verse 15, um, so that we can unpack the gospel that Jesus preached. He begins by saying, the time has come. That's interesting. Many people think that Jesus was kind of the plan B or the plan C uh, in God's uh, plan. And um, like the first few didn't work, so now he better send Jesus, right? But Jesus is saying this is the moment that all the prophets and all the history of Israel has built up to. The time has come. The word time is like not a clock chronological time, but a like the harvest time is here. Or the time is ripe. Paul says in Galatians 4.4, 4, when the time, in, in the fullness of time, God sent his son. God saw that the world was ready now for Jesus to come and for the gospel to be declared. Um, second, he says, the kingdom of God has come near. Interesting. First of all, what is the kingdom of God? This is one of these phrases that Christians use a lot. The kingdom of God. But what do we actually 
mean by that? Well, it's not a physical kingdom like, you know, the magic kingdom in Disney with the, the castle spires. It's not that kind of a kingdom. Nor is it a political, physical, geographical kingdom, right? Nor is it a future kingdom that will one day come when Jesus comes back to earth and all things, all people submit to him. Um, nor is it heaven where God dwells. So what is the kingdom of God? It is a reality brought by Jesus on earth, here and now, in the hearts and lives of those who submit to Jesus as king. One author named Donald Craybill has a definition that I love of the kingdom of God. He said this, The kingdom of God is a network of persons who have yielded their hearts and relationships to the reign of God. It's people who choose to say, God, have your way in me. And that affects how I live my life, how I think about you, how I relate to other people. The kingdom is that network of people. It's not a physical, political kingdom, but that doesn't mean it's not real. It is very, very real, though it is invisible to our eyes. It is spiritual, it is inward, it is hidden in some ways, but it is very real, and it's here. The kingdom is here. But Jesus said the kingdom has come near. What does he mean by that? If you have a King James Bible or a more, a more word-for-word literal translation, it'll say the kingdom of God is at hand, which which I like that phrase, because when something is at hand, you can reach out and touch it, right? You can access it close by. It's not something in the distant, uh, on the horizon or in the future that you, you, that you are straining toward. It's something that's close. You can reach out and touch it. It's at hand. It's near. And Jesus is saying that the kingdom is so near that you can access it here and now, right? I should have said earlier, the kingdom really, what, what happens when people submit to God and his ways? The world is as it should be, right? There's love, there's peace, there's joy, there's forgiveness, there's purpose, there's all these things and abundance and and if, if Jesus is saying that's all available to us if we reach out to him. The kingdom was so near when Jesus came to earth that when he healed someone or when he spoke to someone or when he touched someone, they were experiencing the kingdom of God. Right? It was so near. And yet, it does not come it does not come without our response, right? We cannot enter the kingdom without responding to the gospel in a certain way. So the good news is the kingdom is near, and that requires a response. What is that response? Repent and believe. 
Jesus said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I would guess that the word repentance is not one of anyone's favorite words. It has some connotations that seem harsh or icky, right? Back in the medieval times, they actually translated this verse, do penance and believe the gospel. So they equated it with a lot of like, like, um, like self-punishment and you know, walking on your knees to pilgrimage and doing all these things to like humble yourself and, and beat yourself down. That's very different than what repent actually means. What is repentance? Well, there's a great illustration of this. Uh, the author and pastor Eugene Peterson tells a story. One day he was uh, working on his, lawn, on his lawnmower in his front yard. He had it upside down. He was trying to get the blade off so he could put a new blade on his lawnmower. And he was reefing on that bolt as hard as he could, and it just would not come loose. He was out there straining and getting a bigger wrench and reefing on it, and finally his neighbor came over and said, um, you know that's a left-handed thread, right? <laughs> right? So he had to go the other direction. He could have worked as hard as he could to turn that thing to the right, but it was not going to come off. He had to change direction to get it loose. And that's what repentance is. It's changing direction because if we continue in sin, it is not going to work out for us as hard as we try. Sin is a dead end. And so Jesus is saying, inviting us, repent, turn around, go the other direction. Turn from your sin and come back to me. Another example that I thought of was I noticed that they are installing barriers on Route 108, right? A couple miles before the top of the notch road. Why? Because even though there are signs and warnings and gates, trucks always get stuck at the top of the notch. Every year it happens. Because people think, oh, I can make it. You can't make it. <laughs> you can't make it. You need to repent and turn around to find another route. And Jesus speaks to a world of people like us who without him are on a course that will not work. We're on a course to hell. We're on a course to brokenness. We're on a course to pain. And we need to repent. So repentance is actually a, a good thing. It's not simply feeling sorry for ourselves or for our sin or being ashamed. It's actually making a decision to go the other way. And after you repent, you do what? You believe. So repentance is turning from, believe is, is, is turning toward and focusing on Jesus. Believe that he is the king of the kingdom. Believe that his gospel is true. You know, some, well, I should say many, liberal scholars in the last hundred, couple hundred years have said something like, Jesus preached one thing, and then the Apostle Paul came along, and he made Christianity about Jesus instead of about what Jesus taught, right? So now we preach a gospel about believing in Jesus, 
But really what Jesus preached was about helping the poor and being a good person. And I just think that's totally bogus. Jesus said repent and believe. And people did that when he was on the earth by trusting in him and following him. And after he died and rose again, we do that by trusting that he died for our sins and rose again for our salvation. We're still believing in, in Jesus. So that's what it looks like for us is to, to give Jesus your trust and allegiance and faith because you know he died for you, he rose again, and he is the king of God's kingdom. So how are we doing as a church at proclaiming that message? The, the second part of this sermon is shorter, fear not. Um, well, for one, we should not be in the fire insurance business, right? We're not saying to people, you're a sinner, you're going to hell, but if you pray this prayer, you, your future salvation is assured. We do proclaim forgiveness from sin, but we invite people to enter a new reality called the kingdom of God that affects life here and now. It's not just some distant uh, get-out-of-hell-free situation. How, does the, do you see the kingdom at work here in your relationships, in our church, in your families? Are we experiencing the kingdom of God? And, and a good way, to, good way to gauge that is, are we doing what Jesus taught? Are we forgiving one another? Are we generous with our money? Do we use our bodies faithfully? Do we um, take care of the poor? Do we repent of ongoing sin in our lives? Right? Do we pray and read God's word? This is, these are marks of the kingdom. Do we love one another deeply? Do we see the kingdom at work here? And to be honest, um, the institutional church has lost a lot of relevance, relevance and credibility because it's turned into an institution selling fire insurance and not inviting people into a deep and rich community called the kingdom of God in the church. So how are we doing? I, I think we have room to grow. I see a lot of evidence of the spirit at work and the kingdom here. And we have room to grow and to make sure we are about the kingdom. We're not here to give people moralistic advice about how to live. Um, um, we also, on the other hand, we can't lose the idea of repentance. Repentance is not a popular word. And what some people hear when we say that is, you're a terrible sinner. But the gospel is the most inclusive message out there because anyone can believe and everyone has to repent, right? There's no one sin that needs repentance or one type of person who needs to repent. It's for all of us, for all of us. I know for both Meg and myself, as we grew up in the church, we had to get to a point where we realized, oh my gosh, 
I'm actually a sinner. I'm not just a good person because I go to church. I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I need to trust in Jesus. We all have to do that. And if you haven't done that, you're not in the kingdom. It's very clear in Scripture. And we, ongoing, we live a lifestyle of repentance. As, we, as, as God shows us things that aren't right, we turn from them and believe in Jesus. Um, the author, uh, Sean McDowell, and pastor, I was listening to a podcast last week with him who does a lot of work in, in explaining the Christian faith to skeptics. And he's had a lot of conversations with people who have deconstructed their faith or essentially left Christianity. And, and what he has discovered in talking to them is, he said, tell me your story of, of coming to Jesus and of becoming a Christian. And he said, for many of the people that have rejected their faith, he never heard language of repentance in the beginning, right? So maybe they identified as Christians because they liked the community and they liked a lot of the message, but unless you personally repent and turn to Christ, um, you, you're not yet in the kingdom. So repentance is so crucial, but it's not a bad thing. It's an invitation from God. So are we people characterized by repentance and belief? And do we have the, the kingdom of God here in a way that Jesus would recognize? I think those are questions we all need to continue asking. And um, like I said, I believe there's a lot of evidence for both of those things. But let's make sure we continue to stick to the gospel and nothing else. Now, I want to point out one last thing in closing. Verse 14 says that after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee. So Jesus came after John, and his life follows a similar pattern that John's did. Um, the word for put in prison is actually handed over. The same word that Jesus uses to talk about himself being handed over to death. And Mark says that for a reason. To, show, to foreshadow that, look, even as Jesus preaches about the kingdom, he knows the cost of bringing this kingdom here. And that's his own life. Jesus went to the cross and suffered for us so that his kingdom could break into this world and we could reach out and touch it and enter it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our king. You are our Lord. We submit to you. We trust in you. And Lord, we also repent of the things that send us away from you. I pray that whatever you have stirred in us this morning about repentance, we would act upon. And that whether small or great, whether we need a, a major 
U-turn or a course correction repentance, I pray that you would give us the courage and the humility to do that today. And Lord, we pray that the gospel about Jesus and the gospel Jesus preached would ring out from this place. The same message, repent and believe, and come enter the kingdom of God. Help our church to do that, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen.